And our subject today is the mountains of Israel and uh, their application to our lives, what that means to us today. <clears throat> and we're going to be talking to you about it. I want to show you a map here before I get into the lesson. Uh, these mountains where they are. This is a, a map here of Israel. And I'll explain it to you very quickly here on this by pointing it out. Uh, there are six mountains that are mentioned. Actually, only five of them are mountains, and I'll explain the other later. This is Mount Sinai right here. This is where we're looking at to start with. This is where the law was given to Moses. They came out of Egypt, came down across the Red Sea, came down in, in, down in here, and arrived down here at Mount Sinai. And it was here that God gave them the Ten Commandments, the law, and all of the Old Testament and the tabernacle plan and everything that they had. This is where it was given here at Mount Sinai. I want to talk to you about that. Way up here north here is Mount Hermon, the tallest mountain around, way up here. And it is 9,000 feet tall. This is about 6,000. This is 9,000 feet tall. And then here is about three mountains that we're going to be looking at, three mountains. This is going to be Mount Moriah, Mount Zion, uh, and uh, Mount uh, uh, Mount of Olives, and uh, Mount Moriah, of course, is the Temple Mount. We'll show you that. We'll show you scripture on that in just a moment. But I want to start out here with this number one here, Mount uh, uh, Mount Sinai, right here at the bottom, Mount Sinai. So I'll give you this map here so that you could get an idea and a picture here of uh, of what we are looking at as far as uh, area and location of it. And uh, I want you to look at number one here. I want you to go with me, if you would, please, to Exodus chapter uh, to chapter 19, Exodus 19.10. Look at this very closely with me here. This is what happened here at Mount Sinai when they were there. This is Moses and the children of Israel. Actually, they'd come out of Egypt, and they'd been traveling for about... This was the third month, 19.1, in the third month when the children of Israel were going forth out of Egypt. And so 19, verse, chapter 19, verse 10, And the Lord said unto Moses, Go unto the people and sanctify them today and tomorrow, and let them wash their clothes. Look at this closely now. And be ready against the third day. For the third day the Lord will come down in the sight of all the people upon Mount Sinai. The Lord's going to come down. Now, verse 16, and reading, jumping down, verse 16 and 19, 16. And it came to pass on the third day in the morning that there were thunders and lightnings and a thick cloud upon the mount and the voice of the trumpet exceeding loud so that all the people that was in the camp trembled. And Moses brought forth the people out of the camp to meet with God. And they stood at another, at another part of the mount. And Mount Sinai was altogether on a smoke because the Lord descended upon it in fire. And the smoke thereof ascended as the smoke of a furnace. And the whole mount quaked greatly, shook. And when the voice of the trumpet sounded long and waxed louder and louder, Moses spake, and God answered him by a voice. 
Now the Lord answered all the children of Israel by a voice that came forth from that mountain at Mount Sinai. And he gave them the Ten Commandments. Now starting in chapter uh, chapter 20 and verse 1, and I will not read all this. It just simply says, and God spake all these words saying, and I'm not going to go any further. But what he gave them were the Ten Commandments. He spoke them. He gave those Ten Commandments to the children of Israel and spoke in the fire and the mountain was on fire. It was smoking and it, the ground shook and the people were standing at where the, the Moses said, stand here, but don't get too close. And I want you, but you've got to be, you know, at least up to this point. And I want you to hear the voice of God. And God spoke loudly. Now, this is what happened whenever he had finished the commandments. Finally, in chapter 17, in verse 18, look at this. This is 18 of the 19th chapter. And all the people saw the thunderings and the lightnings and the noise of the, of the trumpet uh, and the mountain smoking, and when the people saw it, they removed and stood afar off. And they said, look what they said now. They said unto Moses, speak thou with us, and we will hear. But let not God speak to us, lest we die. We don't want to hear any more from the Lord. It's too powerful, it's too great, it's too mighty. Let him talk to you, you talk to us, whatever you tell us, he said, we'll believe it. And that's why they told Moses. That's why that you don't have to have nobody verifying that it was from God, what you tell us, because we'll believe it because we've heard God speak. We know that God has spoken and we just don't want to hear it. We'd rather just not hear it at all. Will you just tell us what he said? We'll say, yes, Moses, that's true. Over in the book of Exodus, in the book of Exodus, when Moses was repeating all of this, he reminded them, and in the chapter 5 of Exodus, he gives the Ten Commandments all over with and reminds them that God spoke these words to them and reminded them again that they had said it in chapter 5 of, of, of Deuteronomy. Remember, you had said that let God not speak to us anymore. You speak to us, and then we'll do what you say and it will be nothing else said about it. Praise the Lord. Later on in the 18th chapter of the book of Deuteronomy, if you'll go to that chapter chapter 18 of Deuteronomy, I don't have it in your notes or nothing, but in the 15th verse, Deuteronomy 18, 15, uh, the Lord uh, here was talking to Moses, and Moses talking to him, the Lord thy God, will raise up unto thee a prophet. This is the Lord speaking now to Moses. Moses telling the children of Israel, the Lord thy God will raise up a prophet from the midst of thee, of thy brethren like unto me, unto him ye shall hearken. Look at verse 16. According to all that thou desirest of the Lord thy day in Horeb. This is where this was in the day of the assembly saying, let us not hear again the voice of the Lord our God, my God. Neither let me see this great fire anymore that I die not. This is what you had already said back there, remember? And then finally on verse 17, And the Lord said unto me, They have well spoken that which they have spoken. In other words, what they said, I will not do. Now look at the next verse. Verse 18. I will raise them up a prophet from among their brethren. This is speaking of Jesus Christ when he would come. Like unto thee, and will put my words in his mouth, he shall speak unto them all that I shall command him. And then it goes on to say in verse 19, if any man will not hear him, then the Lord will reject him. 
And it shall come to pass that whosoever will not hearken unto my words, which he shall speak in my name, I will require it of him. Now, I've said all of this to tell you that the people ask not for the word ever to come audibly anymore. It was so powerful, so powerful. So that when Jesus came, the Lord followed this. And he says, when he comes, he's just going to talk to you with his everyday words. That's why, folks, whenever Jesus came, there was no great moving of God and no powerful thing for the people to say, oh, this has got to be of God, because they had requested, whoever you send, don't let him be so mighty that we would hear the voice of God. So I'm just telling you here that the voice of God came very powerfully and very mightily here uh, to the people. Now, if you look in your notes there the, to, the, to the understanding of this, God gave Ten Commandments audibly, then written in, in, in chapter 20. Uh, Mount Sinai represents the power of God's word. It was so powerful. Now, let me just say one thing here before I go any further. And that is that this word here is God's revealed word to us, the human race, the people of God, first to Israel and then finally to the Gentile world. This is God's word, folks. And God's word is true. And God's word is powerful. And you and I must learn to to believe it, trust in it, and believe it alone. Now, there are all kinds of weird doctrines out there, weird doctrines. Man has concocted all kinds of imaginations of men, men coming from outer space, and things coming from outer space. And, uh, and uh, I don't know, it just goes on and on. We evolved from a, uh, to, from a protozoa, from a one-celled little thing, microscopic, you can't even see, or an amoeba, you know, when we... And that, that evolved and it got bigger and bigger. And like the tadpole that sprang into the frog, which was a creation of God. And it's always been that way. But they say that this is the way man evolved, evolved and so forth. Until finally we evolved from the monkey. Came from the monkey or the gorilla or the grape. And, that's a, and then there's something in between it called Bigfoot. And somebody's seen Bigfoot's foot someplace. And they've, they've been looking for Bigfoot ever since. All of that is, is, is imaginations. This right here is what we believe because this is powerful. This is a powerful word. And if you will learn to trust the word of the Lord and to believe the word of God, praise the Lord. And when Peter said, repent, be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins. Think about it. Our sins are remitted when we're baptized in Jesus' name. And you shall be filled with the the gift of the Holy Ghost. The Holy Ghost gives us the power to live for God, walk with God, to believe the Lord, to serve the Lord, and to be what God would have us to be until we either go or he comes, whichever goes, whichever comes first. Praise the Lord. So the Lord has promised us all kinds of things here. That God has promised us so many things here. Look in, uh, look in Psalms uh, 33, 4 for a minute. Psalms, let me just pass this along to you for what it's worth. Psalms 33, 4. For the word of the Lord is right. It says, and all his works are done in truth. This is not in your lesson. This is me talking here. Verse 6. By the word of the Lord were the heavens made. Folks, the word of God is so powerful that he spoke and it was done. Look at the Genesis chapter 1. Just read it sometimes. 
by his word, he spoke everything into existence. You say, Brother Myers, that's so absurd. How could that happen? It's God because he's God. Somebody said to me, oh, it was a big bang theory and everything came into existence from the big bang theory. And I always ask them this question, what went bang? What, what banged? I mean, what was the big, what thing went big bang that made everything come from it? That was a thing there. If you say it was a big bang, what, what was the object that went bang? Who made the object? How did it get there? Did it just come out of nowhere? I'm so, I don't believe in the big bang theory, but that's their theory. And they started from there. And uh, I always ask the question, how did it get there? So the Bible here says the word of the Lord is right. Now look at verse uh, 6. By the word of the Lord were the heavens made. Now if you've got your Bible, just put a line under that. By the word of the Lord were the heavens made, and all the hosts of them by the breath of his mouth. He just spoke it, and it was done. Why? Because he was God. He is God, and he can do anything, folks. And God's ability is far beyond our imagination to even begin to grasp it. His knowledge, his wisdom, his intelligence is like an ocean of water, and we're ours is like a little drop of water in the ocean. We're like a drop of water in the ocean with God's greatness and his, uh, his ability to think in his mind and, and everything that's in the mind of God and the power of the Lord's word. And uh, verse 8, And all the earth shall fear the Lord. All the inhabitants of the world shall stand in awe of him. Verse 9, For he spoke, and it was done. He commanded, and it stood fast. So I'm just giving you here even words over in Psalms that declared the power of God's word. So I'm saying all of that to say one thing here, and that is believe the word. Trust the word. Trust the word, folks. Everything the Lord said, I go away. And if I go, I shall come again and receive you unto myself. That where I am, there you shall be also. Praise the Lord. The Lord said that just before he ascended to heaven. That first chapter of the book of Acts. I go away and if I go away, I'll come again. And Jesus promised us in other places. So if he goes away, he'll come again. I don't know when he's coming. Praise the Lord. But I know he's coming because he said he was and it's in the word of God. And I believe this word is as powerful and strong. Now, let me move on here a little further. I want to go to, to the uh, second part here. Look at two, Mount Zion. Now, Mount Zion is, uh, is in Jerusalem. Right here. This is where the era is. Now, I'm going to take this map off. And... Uh, this is a map of Israel. I'll put that back up because I'll come back to it in a minute. And we are going to Mount Zion, number two here on your lessons. And this is Mount Zion. This is a map here of Jerusalem at the time of Christ. Map of Jerusalem here. <clears throat> And there's four things that I've got mentioned here. These are the four that are mentioned here besides uh, <clears throat> Mount Hermon. But there's Mount Zion. Mount, uh, Mount Zion, here we go. Mount Zion is here. Uh, the Temple Mount is uh, Mount Moriah. I'll come to that in just a moment. 
I'm going to talk to you about Mount Zion here. This is Mount of uh, Mount, Mount of Olives, and uh, this is where Jesus was crucified up here. They call it Mount Calvary, but it's not a mountain at all. It's Calvary. Now, look at this spot right here. This is the upper city. If you'll notice, it says upper city, and this is Mount Zion here, and this represents the New Testament. Now, look in your notes, if you would, please, with me here. I'm going to talk to you about this air, this mount. It was actually a, a high grounds more than just a mountain going with a peak on it. And uh, if you notice here, Mount Zion, I want you to go to Hebrews 12 with me. Hebrews 12 in your lesson here is right here. Hebrews 12, number two. And, uh, and verse 18. For you're not coming to the mount that might be touched, that burneth with fire. Now, he's talking about uh, this Mount Sinai. He said, you're not coming to this mountain now when you come to Mount Zion. For you're not coming to the mount that might be touched and that burneth with fire, nor unto blackness and darkness and tempest. And the sound of the trumpet and the voice of the words which voice they that heard thither therein that the word should not be spoken to them anymore. We've talked about that. Look at verse 22. But ye are come unto Mount Zion. In the New Testament spelt with an S. In the Old Testament spelt with a Z. You have come unto Mount Zion. And unto the city of the living God. The heavenly Jerusalem. And to an innumerable company of angels. You have come to something greater. Far greater than anything that was ever in the Old Testament. Verse 24, and to Jesus, the mediator of the new covenant, and to the blood of sprinkling that speaketh better things than that of Abel. Now, I'm telling you all of this because I want you to understand here that what God has given us now is greater and higher than anything else that he ever gave in the Old Testament. Mount Sinai represents the Old Testament. Mount Zion in this fashion, in this sense, represents the New Testament. It is where the Lord says, I'm going to have a city, not the old city of Jerusalem, but I'm going to have a new city, praise the Lord, in which we're going to go. Now, the Bible talks about it. It gives us descriptions of it over in the book of Revelation. The Bible says Abraham looked for a city whose builder and maker was God. Now, and I want to just tell you here, folks, that we have a hope that is beyond all hope. I don't know what the Lord has planned for us, but it's better than anything in this life. It's better than anything in this world. Praise the Lord. And we call it Mount Zion. So I want to just tell you here today, praise the Lord, get on board that old boat headed to Mount Zion. And God is going to give us one day a great reward and a great blessing and a great eternal life. Nothing in the world, in this world, will ever be able to compete with what God has prepared for those who love him. Praise the Lord. So the Lord tells us that in the word of God. That we are to believe the Lord. To believe his word. Walk with him. So this is speaking of Mount Zion. That we should hold fast to it. <clears throat> Look at Isaiah 59.20. 59.20. See if I can get there. Here we go. And, and the redeemer shall come to Zion. And unto that and them that turn from aggression in Jacob saith the Lord. Now, four verses down in chapter 6, 60 and verse 3 of that same Isaiah. 
60 and 3, four verses later. And the Gentiles shall come to thy light and kings to the brightness of thy rising. So this is giving us a hope. In other words, Mount Zion, Mount, uh, Mount Sinai may have been to Israel, but Mount Zion is unto all of us Gentiles as well. So thank God for God having given us, praise the Lord, the hope by saying we can go to Mount Zion. We can have God's blessings, his presence, and his spirit, and his goodness, and his love upon us. So let us believe the word of the Lord above everything else. Praise the Lord. And God's grace is given unto us in Mount Zion. Praise the Lord. Look at Ephesians 2.4. Ephesians 2.4. And then I'm going to wrap this part of it up. Ephesians 2.4. You don't have that in your notes. Ephesians 2.4. Thank you. But God, who is rich in mercy for his great love, wherewith he loved us, even when we were dead in sins, hath quickened us together with Christ by grace, you're saved, by grace. Now, grace is the unearned favor of God. <coughs> Excuse me. <coughs> We've never earned grace. We can't, we, we can't have the goodness of God, the mercies of God, the forgiveness of God, the blessings of God. We can't have that. Within ourselves. There's nothing we've done to earn that. We don't deserve it. But it's by the grace of God. God's grace is the unearned favor of God. Unmerited favor of God. Look at verse 6. And then raiseth us up together and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. That's what our services are about sometimes. That's why you come here. Sometimes you can be out in the world and just going through a hectic week. You can come to the house of God and begin to worship and praise the Lord. And we begin to feel the presence of God. And begin to feel the moving of the presence of the Lord and the Spirit of God. Praise the Lord. At my age, folks, I still try to make every service I can. I can't always make every service. You can't either. I'm sure of that. But we try to make every service we can because there's no place like being in the house of God to feel his presence and his power and his blessing. You can walk through those doors feeling lower than a gnat's heel. But you can be in the presence of the Lord and feel the spirit of God moving. And all of a sudden you pray, you say, Lord, I love you. I praise you. Your spirit is lifted. I don't know how many times I've come to the house of God just dragging. But amen, I'd feel the presence and spirit of God and there'd be a spring in my step. And I'd say, thank you, Jesus, for your wonderful spirit and presence. We sit together in heavenly places. Praise the Lord, because Jesus is here. Amen. God bless you so. Be in every service you can. God will always bless us for it. And uh, <clears throat> so I'm going to move on here. Verse 8. For by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God. So we're saved by grace. It's not of ourselves. It's the gift of God. So God's grace is given unto us. We're saved by grace and that through mercy. Amen. Our faith. Our faith is us believing that God, praise the Lord, has paid the price on Calvary for us to be saved, and we thank him for it. We believe it. So faith will cause you to worship. Faith will cause you to glorify God. Faith will cause you to be thankful and praise God, worship him, not only for salvation, but for all of his blessings upon us, for all of everything good in your life, everything. Praise the Lord. I won't go any further, but God's goodness, and that's all in Zion. Praise the Lord. Now, let me go to Mount Moriah. This is interesting. Mount Moriah, this is number three. Praise the Lord. Mount number three here. Uh, 
Let me read number three to you. Mount Moriah also is the temple mount. I'll give you a verse. I'll give you a verse on that in a moment. But this is where the Lord called Abraham to take Isaac and offer him for a sacrifice. Now, Abraham was living up north of that in a place called Bethel. And the Lord said, Abraham, and I'm going to give you the scripture for it here. And I'm going to go to the word of God. And uh, I think it's Abraham 22, uh, I'm sorry, Genesis 22 and 1. It came to pass after these things that God did tempt Abraham and said unto him, Abraham, and he said, Behold, here am I. And he said, Take now thine, thine son, thine only son Isaac, whom thou lovest, and get thee up into the land of Moriah, and offer him there for a burnt offerings upon one of the mountains which I will tell thee of. And Abraham arose up early in the morning and saddled his donkey and took two of his young men with him and Isaac his son and clave the wood for the burnt offering and rose up and went unto the place of which God had told him. Now jumping down to verse 9, they came to the place which God had told him of and Abraham built an altar there and laid wood in the altar and bound Isaac his son and laid his son on the altar upon the wood. And he was about to offer him for a sacrifice, verse 11. And the angel of the Lord called unto him, verse 11. He called on him out of heaven and said, Abraham, Abraham. And he said, here am I. And he said, lay not thine hand upon the lad, neither do thou anything unto him. For now I know that thou fearest God, seeing thou hast not withheld thy son, thine only son, from me. So what he did was to show the Lord that he would always put the Lord first. Now Mount Moriah is, is, is given unto us here as an obedience to the word of God. Always being obedient to the word of God. Even the things that may seem hard and things that may seem difficult for us to fully understand. Now I'm jumping over here. I'm going to skip one verse, come back to it. Going to Second Chronicles 3.1. Second Chronicles 3.1 says this. Then Solomon began to build the house of the Lord at Jerusalem. This is the temple they built in Jerusalem in Mount Moriah. You see that? So Mount Moriah is the temple mount. And any Jew will tell you that. They all, the Jews all know that. It's very common understanding. So the, so the temple mount was built where Mount Moriah was. This is an interesting thing. So this became also the temple mount. So Mount Moriah also the temple mount. And this is where the Lord called him. Now look at Hebrews eleven seventeen. Hebrews eleven seventeen. Look at this. By faith, Abraham. This is why Abraham was willing to offer his son for a sacrifice. 17. By faith, Abraham, when he was tried, offered up Isaac. And he that had received the promises offered up his only begotten son, of whom it was said that in Isaac shall thy seed be called. The Lord has said to him, your descendants are going to come from Isaac. And then the Lord says to him, now offer Isaac for a sacrifice on the altar. And we're slaying. Well, how could that be if from Isaac your descendants are going to come? Now here's what it says here. Accounting, verse 19, accounting that God was able to raise him up, even from the dead, from whence also he received him in a figure. So Abraham, willing to do it, believed with all of his heart that God was going to raise Isaac from the dead 
because he believed God so mightily and so strong and believed in the resurrection. Praise the Lord. So I'm just showing you here that I, that Abraham had tremendous faith in God and he had, he is called the father of Israel, but he's also called the father of faith, father of faith. And we are not the children of Israel, but we're the children of faith. We are serving God through faith. So Abraham is our father through faith. The Bible tells us that in other scriptures. So he is our father by in, in faith. So if you believe the Lord and believe his word and walk with God and serve the Lord and walk and say, God, I'm going to live the life. I'm going to be a holy person. I'm going to be righteous. I'm going to go to church. I'm going to worship you. I'm going to thank you for all things. I'm going to glorify your name. Praise the Lord. I'm going to obey the scriptures. And the Bible gives us the New Testament the epistles, epistles that tell us how to be saved. How to, I mean, Acts, how to be saved. The epistles, how to stay saved, how to walk with God, how to believe the Lord, how to trust the Lord. If we follow those things, one day, praise the Lord, we'll walk streets of gold. God has promised us that. And that's how Mount, uh, the Mount Moriah is unto us. Now, I'm going to move very quickly to Mount of Olives here. Mount of Olives. And uh, I want you to go to Matthew 26.30 with me on this. Matthew 26.30. Praise the Lord. Mount of Olives represents prayer. Represents prayer. And this was right after the Lord had had communion with his disciples. I'm starting here in verse 30. But if I were to back it up to verse 26, it says, As they were eating, Jesus took bread and blessed it and broke it and gave it to the disciples and said, Take, eat, this is my body, this cup, give it, drink it, for this, this is my blood. Verse 28, for this is my blood of the New Testament, which is shed for many, for many for the remission of sins, for the remission of sins. So then in verse 30, it says, when they had sung a hymn, they went out into the Mount of Olives. Everybody look at that. Verse 20, 36. So after the Lord's Supper, after they had had communion, Jesus and his disciples went out to Mount of Olives. And this was across the Kidron Valley. Going back to the uh, map of Jerusalem here. This is the uh, this is the Mount of Olives over here. This is the city of Jerusalem. They went out of the city and they went down across this valley and came up on a mount on the other side here. And you can stand there and we've got pictures of our people being over there and standing there on Mount of Olives looking across at the Temple Mount and so forth. And so it's there. It's there. Believe me, trust me. <laughs> I've been there instead there. So the Mount of Olives, praise the Lord, here represents a place where that uh, they uh, where they, uh, they had prayer. Praise the Lord, Jesus had prayer. Here's what happened. Look at verse uh, read thirty to you, and they sang a hymn, and they went out in the Mount of Olives. Now I'm reading here verse thirty six. Then coming Jesus with them unto a place called Gethsemane. Gethsemane. I was in Israel and one time and. Came across a big, uh, big stone, uh, I don't know, grinding machine, grinding pit looking thing. And, uh, and it had a wheel in it and a, and a pole through it and you push it around and it grind. It was about six or eight feet across, big thing. And I said to our guide, what is that? And he said, that's a Gethsemane. I said, no, no, Gethsemane is a place. What's this thing? He said, that is a Gethsemane. 
And when he said that, I realized that the Garden of Gethsemane is named after the thing. The guard, the place is named after the thing. And he told me what it was. It was the thing that crushed olives. You put olives in it and you grind it around and you crush it down and olive oil ran out of the bottom of it. And that's how they made olive oil. And Gethsemane was the thing that made olive oil. But Jesus went to the garden of Gethsemane. So there must have been a Gethsemane thing there in that garden. And there was olive trees and so forth where they made olives. And so this is where they went to pray. Then cometh Jesus with them into a place called Gethsemane and saith unto them, Sit ye here while I go and pray yonder. Verse 39, and he went a little further, fell on his face and prayed, saying, O my father, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me. Let this cup pass. What cup? Cup of having to die. The man Christ Jesus having to pay the price on Calvary. If it be possible, let this cup pass from me. Now look at the next word. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as thy will. Not my will, but thy will be done. Notice here, he says, never shall it be less than the will of God. Now, Gethsemane here, or Mount of Olives here, and being in Gethsemane, guarding Gethsemane, represents prayer. And when we pray, folks, always say, God, not my will, but thy will be done. Sometimes we are called upon by the Lord to do hard things, go to hard places, a hard situation. And whenever it is, you say, Lord, not my will, but thy will be done. Thy will be done. Praise the Lord. And sometimes we can say, God, you know, if we could be delivered from this. I remember years ago. We were on the evangelistic field, and uh, I knew it was time for my daughter to go to school. She was turning six years old. She had turned six and had to be put in the first grade. And I said, I'm, we've been evangelizing. My wife uh, said, where are we going to go and settle down now and put Denise in school? Our son, your pastor, David, was at that time just a little little tot. He was uh, about two years old, one years old, one or two years old. And then and, and she says, I'm going to go visit my mother and dad while you decide where we're going to go. And then when you, you let me know, and then I'll come back and we'll go to that place. Okay. So the superintendent called me and said, I want you to go to Port St. Joe, Florida. They really need a pastor there. They are five months behind in mortgage payments. They owe everybody in the country. They get, they're behind in everything in the world, and they're about to be shut down. And there's a handful of people there, and they need somebody. And I said, I don't think I'm interested. I don't, I don't feel like I'm I preached a revival by myself. I had one revival I had to preach. It was a weekend revival, like Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. And it was a little town called Darlington, Florida, a little small country town, a little small country church. And uh, the pastor had asked me to come there and preach. I said, okay, I will. I preached one night, got down on my knees and was praying. And the Lord spoke to me to go to the mission field. Listen to this. Listen to me closely. He spoke to me to go to the mission field. I said, God, I'll go anywhere you want me to go. You speak and I'll go anywhere you want me to go. He said, what's wrong with Port St. Joe? <laughs> Honest to God, not an audible voice, but to my heart. I was willing to go anywhere in the world, but I didn't want to go to Port St. Joe. I said, all right, Lord, I'll go to Port St. Joe. That's how I went there. 
So I called my wife. I said, come on back. We're going to Port St. Joe. Where is that? I said, you'll find out. Praise the Lord. And so anyway, we went to that little one little town of 3,000 people. And I was there for six years. And we got the church out of debt and brought it along. And it's still uh, one of our churches up there in that area. And after six years, the Lord called us to come here. Praise the Lord. Amen. Only this, it wasn't here then. It was there, but we've come here. Isn't God good? Praise the Lord. So it's just obeying the word of the Lord. So God, amen, talks to us. And uh, I'm going to move on just in prayer, though we have to be. Uh, I'm going to go to Mount Hermon here because we're going to wrap this up. And uh, I've got uh, just about f- five more minutes here. And uh, I want you to look with me here. Uh, okay, I'm going to go to chapter 9, Mark 9, 2. After six days, Jesus taken with him Peter and James and John and leadeth them up into a high mountain apart by themselves, and he was transfigured. Notice that. Jesus was transfigured before them, and his raiment became shining, exceeding white as snow, so as no fuller on earth could white them. And there appeared unto him Elias and Moses, and they were talking with Jesus. Moses and Elijah were there with him, standing there. And uh, and they, the, 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 the Peter, James, and John were standing there, and they saw this glory of the Lord. And they were just like transfigured. They were like in a glory world. Praise the Lord. Uh, and this was Elijah. Elijah is the one that ran from Jezebel. Remember, he went to Sinai. And he wanted the Lord appeared with all that fire and shaking and thundering and big voice so it'd scare Israel back to scare him half to death again and get back to God. No, no, no. And the Lord came to him in a still small voice. Remember that story? And so this was Elijah. And now Elijah had ascended into heaven. Amen. And left, he left his cloak and Elisha, praise the Lord, and now was now the prophet on earth. So Elijah went up. And then Moses went up on Mount Nebo and, uh, and the angels buried him. We don't know how he died, what happened. Uh, the writings there was written by Joshua. So Joshua may have thought Moses died. Maybe he didn't die. Well, however, whatever it was, these two men from the past came and appeared with Jesus on the Mount of Transfiguration and gave his glory. Now look at verse 7. And there was a cloud that overshadowed them. And a voice came out of the cloud saying, this is my beloved son, hear him. And this, and suddenly, when they had looked round about, they saw no man anymore, save Jesus only, with themselves. All of a sudden, it was back to normal again on the Mount of Transfiguration. And this is in your notes there of God. This is a type here of eternal life that is to come. The Lord showed them, praise the Lord, Moses and Elijah, who had already gone on. They came back to be with Jesus and said, now there's coming a new life. And Jesus, of course, after he was crucified, rose again the last day. Now, uh, rose the third day, I'm sorry. Now, I'm going to finish up here by talking to you about Calvary. And uh, I'm reading here in Luke uh, 23, 33. And when they were come to the place which is called Calvary, and if you go to Matthew 27, 33, it says Golgotha. Golgotha and Calvary is the same place. Calvary is the Greek word, Golgotha, is the is the uh, Aramaic word, which was the language spoken in the New Testament in Palestine. I won't get into all the detail there. But in the 33rd verse here, I'm still in Luke uh, chapter 23, 33. And when they were come to the place which is called Calvary, 
There they crucified him. Now, uh, the other place says the same thing. The other scriptures are in Matthew 27, 33. They crucified Jesus. Uh, Calvary, Golgotha, was not a mountain. It was just a plain place. Plain. It was uh, out on the street. And he was outside the city. They took him outside the city. And he was crucified outside it. One scripture tells us, let us go outside. Outside the camp. That's outside the world into the God's presence that we may live for him and serve him and walk with him. Are we still on? All right. So I'm just telling you that, folks, to let you know that God wants you and I, praise the Lord, to walk with him in humility. So I'm finishing up here our notes on number uh, six here, Calvary, Golgotha. Calvary, Golgotha was not a mountain, but represents the most significant place and time in the history of the human race. Calvary. Praise the Lord. And if you were to go there, there is Jerusalem right now where Calvary was. And you can see the, the place of the skull. It's up there on the side of the hill. You can see a skull like in the side of the mountain. It's not carved, it's natural. And in the street below, and now they have a bus depot there. They have city buses coming and going. Everything's just a street. But it's the most significant place and time in the history of the world when Jesus died on the cross for all the sins of the human race. Going back, the blood of Calvary flowed forward and it flowed back. Also back to those who lived a good life back there, but could not go to heaven because there had been no Calvary yet. And also forward to people like us that would yet come and live and be. And one of these days, Jesus is coming back. Folks, and he's going to fulfill everything that he says. How do I know? It's in the word, and the word is right, and the word is powerful. Believe it with all of your heart, and Jesus will never fail you. Can we stand together and just thank the Lord and praise him right now? Let's just give God the praise and glory and thank him for his goodness and mercy.